Welcome to episode two of a special five-part mini-series, 50 Years of Reflection, Insights from Past Annual Meeting Chairs, celebrating the 50th Annual Meeting and Scientific Symposium of the American Academy of Orthotists and Prosthetists. In each episode, we will spend time with past clinical contact committee chairs to learn how the Academy's Annual Meeting and Scientific Symposium has evolved over the last half century. I'm Tyler Cagle, a soon-to-be graduating MPO student at UT Southwestern in Dallas, Texas, and today I'm excited to welcome Jim Campbell, CO, PhD, and Fellow of the Academy. Jim is a Senior Vice President and Chief Clinical Officer for Hanger Incorporated in Austin, Texas, and has the responsibility for the Department of Clinical and Scientific Affairs. He has served on the Board of Directors of the American Orthotic and Prosthetic Association, as well as the American Academy of Orthotists and Prosthetists. Jim, it's great to see you. Thanks for joining us. Thanks, Tyler. I am delighted to be here and very much appreciate the invitation from the Academy. Now, Jim, in honor of the upcoming 50th anniversary of the Academy's annual meeting, I wanted to talk to you about your perspective on this flagship event over the years. Now, you served as the Clinical Content Committee Chair of the Academy's annual meeting and Scientific Symposium in 06 and 07. Is that correct? It, it is correct. And the overarching purpose and structure and even duration of the Academy meeting has not changed dramatically. However, it has evolved. We have evolved as a profession, and, and I believe the Academy meeting has evolved in, in parallel uh, with that. And with all this talk of evolution in mind, going back to your first experience, do you recall your first Academy meeting that you attended? So where was it held? Where were you in your career at that point? Just any information you'd like to provide us. Yeah, I believe the, the first Academy meeting I, I attended was way back in 1990, and it was held in, in Phoenix, Arizona. Yeah, at the time, I had recently moved to, to the U.S. from Scotland to, to take up a position at the Cleveland Clinic. And in terms of my impressions, we consistently talk about how small a profession we are. However, coming from a small country like Scotland, my first impression was it was entirely the opposite. I was struck by the size of the ONP community, and I was just so excited to be part of it all. And you have this unique perspective of being able to be exposed to two different countries' academies, respectively. Mm -hmm. Do you remember what you thought of the event in terms of the sessions, the networking opportunities, and what made the academy in America stand apart? Yeah, I think my impressions and thoughts were entirely positive. It wasn't that the meetings were necessarily better or worse, they were just quite different. And I didn't have any frame of reference that allowed me to comment on the quality of the sessions in Phoenix. However, my experience that those initial meetings really convinced me that moving to the U.S. and becoming part of this larger ONP community was entirely the correct decision. I was so encouraged by the people, the individuals I met, and the level of enthusiasm and commitment. But that meeting and still, I sensed the true and honest desire to move the profession and the industry forward. And Jim, I think that's where you and I have a common similarity, is at least with our first impressions of the Academy meeting. When you get there, especially coming from a rising professional. You try to get yourself established out there. You go out to the floor, you attend the lectures. But what stands the Academy apart is that I really feel it's a lot more clinician-centered. It's clinicians trying to help other clinicians. Jim, in 2006, when you first served the Academy's chair, what was the Academy annual meeting structure like back then? 
So looking back almost 20 years, I, I think it's fair to say the meeting was evolving and there was such a strong desire at the time by the Academy Board to transform the meeting. A few years earlier, Tom DeBello had chaired the Blue Ribbon Task Force and the remit of this task force was to examine the existing annual meeting format and to recommend improvement. It was indeed Tom who reached out to me initially and asked me to become involved with the Academy initially as the editor of our journal, JPO. Regarding the meeting, we wanted to create a venue where there could be an exchange of information, not only an exchange between clinicians, but also an exchange between the, the broader clinical and scientific community and our practitioner community. The meeting was also an opportunity for our members to interact directly with our industry partners, whose support of the meeting throughout the years has been consistent and invaluable. From a personal perspective, I saw the need for clinicians not only to attend the meeting, but also to participate in the meeting. We allowed time and encouraged dialogue and questions. This was new and, and frankly intimidating for many of the clinicians attending the meeting. So this has taken time to develop, but uh, if we fast forward to our meeting last year in Nashville, and consider the richness and value of the interaction that took place between presenters and, and meeting attendees. The other, I think, thing that we did deliberately was our attempt to attract professionals from the broader clinical and research community. And it was largely successful. We saw a dramatic increase in clinicians and engineers and researchers attending the meeting. And simultaneously, the number of international attendees at the academy meeting almost doubled. I think also in 2006, we held the, the first women in ONP event, such an important and landmark event that, that acknowledged one of the very positive changes that has taken place in our profession. And Jim, I know that seeing all this evolution of the academy evolve, I know facilitating communication between the clinicians was definitely something that I noticed from my experience at my first ever meeting that these new technologies for asking questions, for polling, if we had a question, we would be able to scroll through our phone. There was the app that the Academy had that we can type out a question so that we don't have to do the nerve-wracking thing of going up to a microphone and having to stand up in front of everyone and asking those questions. I, I like how the Academy is finding new ways to facilitate these conversations and the communication that we have between clinicians. And I think that's a great overarching goal that the Academy has. And I'm sure you can speak more to that as well. And seeing how this facilitation of communication has evolved over the past several years, how do you see the content itself evolve over the next years? Yeah, I mean, I think in summary, we've seen the, the content transition from, from essentially being product-based to, to being clinically or outcomes-based. But this is a process. This is not a, a single event. And I believe throughout this transition, it is, it's been so critically important that the content remained relevant to Academy members. And the more respected and popular the meeting has become, the easier it has been to raise the level of education. As an example, the number of free paper submissions has grown significantly which has allowed, I think, us to raise the bar, if you will, in terms of the quality of the content. And as I say, I think undoubtedly the quality of the scientific content has improved dramatically. 
However, it's so important to ensure the content is salient and balanced and allowing adequate time uh, to share case studies, clinical techniques, in my opinion, remains uh, vitally important. And I know you're speaking on the quality of the content, the lectures in particular. I know for me, coming into this field, it's really reassuring to see that there are so many more distinguished and experienced members of this field that want to share what they know and want to share how they can help other up-and-coming professionals who can help other clinicians who may have questions or have thought about a scientific problem that they think would need to be addressed. And I know for me, that's really important as an organization that offers all of these ways of communication within the field. And I wanted to get your insight on what the Academy as an organization means to you. Yeah, on both a professional level and, and certainly on a personal level, the, the Academy means a great deal. I've been an Academy member, I, I think, I believe, since 1988 when I moved to the U.S. And now I've been a member for over 30 years. I've had the privilege of serving on the board, of chairing the Educational Development Council on the Clinical Content Committee. I've also had the privilege and the opportunity to share my work from the podium at academy meetings, and uh, which, which is also, I think, just a tremendous opportunity. And last year, I, I was privileged to receive the Academy's Lifetime Achievement Award, and that's certainly something that I would regard and consider to be one of the, the highest points of my career. Now, it was good to see you come back for this again, and congratulations on getting the Lifetime Achievement Award. I know over the last 50 years, the Academy has seen so much growth. It has seen so much development and I wanted to get your insight on what you're envisioning the next 50 years of the Academy to look like. Yeah, I think the Academy will continue to evolve and, and develop. I think regarding the meeting, I think during COVID, we learned the, the value of meeting remotely. But we also, I think, really understood the limitations of meeting remotely. So I think looking forward and not, I'm not sure what the environment would be, but I think maintaining an environment where we as academy members and peers can share not only formal research findings, but can share clinical experiences and clinical opinions. It is just so critically important to maintain that environment. A venue where we can exchange ideas on the changing healthcare landscape and discuss how it may impact the lives of individuals we are just so privileged to take care of. And as one of those voices for the future generations to come that are going to care for these patients and for developing the future Academy meetings, we're going to do everything in our power to keep on the standard of excellence that those who have made the Academy what it is today, and we'll keep that going for the next 50 years to come. And Jim, I just wanted to thank you so much again for joining us. And thanks to all of you for listening to episode two of 50 Years of Reflection, Insights from Past Annual Meeting Chairs, a special five-part mini-series celebrating the evolution of the Academy's annual meeting and scientific symposium over the last half century. I encourage you to listen to episode one if you have not already, and to join us for episode three next week when we meet with Joanne Canis, immediate past president of the American Academy of Orthotists and Prosthetists and past chair of the Academy's Clinical Content Committee. Be sure to subscribe to our podcast on Apple, Spotify, Google, or wherever you listen to your favorite podcast. And don't forget to check out the Academy's other podcasts for OMP professionals, including the award-winning OMP Research Insights with Dr. Steve Gard, 
the award-winning ONP Rising podcast created four emerging professionals in our field and ONP Clinical Care Insiders featuring key voices in the ONP community discussing their areas of clinical care and sharing personal experiences as professionals in that specialty. For more information on the American Academy of Orthodox and Prosthetists, visit us online at onp.org. Thank you so much for listening, and we'll catch you next time.